I am, you know by now, I'm not going to offer an apology. I'm really not going to preach a sermon. Anytime the Lord creates a spot for me to speak at this church, even if it is by accident or intentional, I believe it's a spot he wants me to prophesy what God is saying over the body at this time. So I'm going to kind of preach, but I really just want to share where I think we are and what I think God is saying as we come to the closing of a year. And I'm going to even just prophesy a little bit into the beginning of the next year because I don't know when I'll be back with you up here. And I believe some exciting things are taking place. How many felt the glory of the Lord when they started singing Yahweh? Yeah, because that's a confirmation of what I'm preaching today. So it let me know God is all over this word. I want you to turn to 2 Samuel and I'm going to read in chapter 5 and I think I'm just going to go ahead and read the story. It'll be the last time you have to stand unless you want to. My title actually has nothing to do with this passage, but it has to do with what I'm going to prophesy today. Say, 100 days to glory. 100 days to glory. I'm going to start in chapter 5, 2 Samuel 5, starting with verse 17. Sorry, Chad, I think I backed up on you a little bit. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies. Somebody shout breakthrough before me, like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal-perazim, which is plural for breakthroughs. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore David inquired of the Lord and said, You shall not go up, circle around behind them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. Somebody shout quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Would you just stretch your hands toward me? Let's pray one more time. God knows I need his strength today. And let's just ask God to have his way by declaring his word. Father, we just come into agreement in this house. We are all partnered with your word right now. Father, our hearts are open to receive. I pray you would anoint my mouth to deliver. Lord, let me deliver only what you would say with clarity. Let spiritual ears hear it. Let it bear fruit. And Father, we didn't come to just hear a word. We came to experience your word. And so I pray today you would confirm your word by signs, wonders, and miracles. Let your presence invade this place. Your glory settle upon us. And Father, we're not just going to talk about it today. I declare we're going to experience it today in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that this is the day you have made. And right now we are glad to be here on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to use this text as a foundation of kind of some 
instruction I want to give today and some declaration I want to make over this house. And anybody else that may watch this by live stream, you can receive this over your house. But I'm really talking to RTTN right now for just a few moments about where I feel like we are in the spirit. It's a really good season. I feel like we have been in a season of breakthrough and we have been in a season of victory. And God has been speaking through intercessors and leaders of this church about what he wants to do through this body um, at the end of this year and the coming of the next year. But I received a particular phone call this past week um, from an intercessor, and she shared a dream with me. And this dream, we're going to actually unload at a later time, but it requires some prep work because I believe um, as Kevin and I have been seeking the Lord for direction for our church and direction for the kingdom as we approach the end of one year and the beginning of another, we always feel a shifting in the spirit. We always feel the Lord prepping us for fresh vision and renewal of vision and what he wants to do. And we were in the middle of seeking the Lord for direction when this dream came. And so I do believe as that dream was spoken to me, I took a couple days to pray on it. I felt the witness of the spirit and God began to download strategy to me just from what this dream was and some confirmations that I received. So in this dream that this intercessor had, um, there was a declaration being made. Many things were happening in the dream about the glory of God being revealed and the manifestation of that glory, but the dream was about the glory of God coming to this house and coming to this nation once again. Can we stop just a second and thank God that he is speaking about a restoration of glory to this house and to this nation? And we've been talking about glory a lot at this house. I know that this body might not have been there, but I spoke on the glorious bride at Ruach. And Kevin's been talking about the glory, the king of glory coming in, about him giving us a new wineskin for that. But sometimes we fail to teach actually what the glory is. And I will tell you, the glory is very, very difficult to encapsulate in words. It's not meant to be talked about. The glory of God is meant to be experienced. It's why you don't find a lot of detailed teaching on the definition of it. And it's why it's hard to engage in a conversation about it. But after a lot of reading and a lot of research and taking other people's definitions and thinking on them and putting together, I came up with the, the, the most simple definition of the glory of God I could ever think of uh, during my message at Ruach. And it was this, it's when God decides to go public. It's when the hidden nature, the hidden attributes, the hidden qualities of God, he decides to actually reveal them and make them public. That's the glory of God. So the glory of God can be seen in many forms because God can take many forms. He is so indescribable that his name alone is I am who I am and I'm going to be whoever I want to be. Like God is not defined in his name because his nature cannot be described in words. And it's why God has so many names. If you look through scripture, God has so many names, not just Yahweh, but you go through that he's the great comforter and he's the great counselor. And then you can go through all the declarations about being Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Nisi. And we declare the names of God and each one of them, they point to an attribute 
attribute of God, but there's not one name that can encapsulate all that he is. Even the name Yahweh, I am who I am and I will be who I will be. The Jewish people, the Hebrew people, and even the Jewish people today, they won't even speak that word out loud. They won't even spell it in its entirety. They only use the capital letters and they omit the vowels because the name is so holy. And we may think that's extreme, but if you look back at scripture, even when Jesus dared to say the words, I am, when they were going to arrest him in the garden and take him to the cross, he said, I am. And the word says the soldiers who were going to arrest him were slain. They fell back like dead men because that name, that nature, it carries glory. And God's glory is revealed in his name. It's why at the name of Jesus, which is the name above every other name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. At the name of Jesus, demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, disease flees. At the name of Jesus, deliverance occurs because at the declaration, of that name glory follows it if I say Jesus Jesus and I cry out to him you feel an atmosphere shift because the glory of God is revealed in his names and it's why it's so important when we're declaring things like Yahweh and you felt the glory come into the room his name will reveal the glory that is being declared so it's very important to know the name of God it's there's so much to this I could teach I won't go into this morning but it's why your name is so important his name is revealed in glory and identity. And your, your name, your image, your identity was created to be a vessel to reflect his glory. You were created not to generate your own glory, but to be a reflection of his glory. When God came down and, and created the earth and created the garden, he, he needed someone to steward it. He was not going to stay on this earth. God is residing in a heavenly realm. Newsflash. Jesus is seated at the right hand with him. It was never God's intention to have to come down here and do our work. He had to come down here and fix what we messed up. But the original design was for him to create a being that could hold his glory and reflect his name and reflect his image so that everything on earth looked like the heavenly realm. That earth could just be an extension of the heavenly realm ruled by a being who was submitted to Yahweh but operated in his image. Do you follow what I'm saying? That is why, because the glory of God is being revealed in the earth and because there is an assignment for the glory of God to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, as we get closer and closer to a greater revelation of his glory, there is more and more of a sabotaging of your identity. Like if you're wondering why our society is in an identity crisis, some of you just like to pick pet sins and you think that God is just really mad over that sin and not as angry over another. And I'm here to tell you that's not how God works. God is jealous and hates anything that stands in the way of you reflecting his glory. And perhaps there is no greater sin that affects your ability to reflect the glory of God than the distorting your identity or distorting your image and it's why our culture 
because the Lord has painted a big old target upon America for his glory to fall. The enemy has come ahead and tried to take a whole generation and wipe away the image of God and confuse identity and change your name and change your gender and change your sexuality and change the way you look and cause you to self-mutilate and cut and all of these crazy things we are here that are happening and it all comes down to one root. The devil is scared of you reflecting God's image on the earth and he is trying to sabotage the glory of God from coming into your vessel and being reflected in your community. And so we've got to preserve his image. We've got to exalt his name. And where you find proper identity and where you find proper image, you'll find the glory. It's why idolatry was an abomination to God. Because it was a false image of a God who did not carry the nature of Yahweh. It wasn't just because God was offended or intimidated by a broad statue. It was because the enemy was trying to distort image to short circuit the glory of God. We have to be careful to preserve his image in our life so we can be true reflectors of his glory. I don't want to be a contaminated representation to humanity of who God is. And so that's all important and that all wasn't in my notes. Jesus help us today. Glory is coming, and glory is already here. His glory has been revealed. His glory is being revealed. But just to help every person who was raised in church like me and thinks that you've seen it all and experienced it all, all of the glory that has been revealed, all of the glory that is being revealed, if you piled all of that up together, it is just a thumbnail measurement of the glory that God has yet to reveal to creation and to humanity. There is more of him hidden than he has yet to reveal. We have not seen it all. We have not experienced it all. And even when Devin Wallace takes her last breath, it will take me all of eternity, which has no end, to even grasp the fullness of his glory. So we got to make a decision right here at Redemption to the Nation's Church that we're not going to be the, by the religious lie of we have arrived. And we're not going to sit in our seats in comfort and trade our pursuit for sustaining. I want to see the greatest revelations of the Lord that he will allow me to see. Why, Pastor Devin? Because I love him. Therefore, I want to know him. If you were trying to date a young lady or a young man and you took them out once and sat down at a meal with them for one hour and left and said, you know what? I'm done. I know everything there is about to you about you. Let's just get married. We don't have to talk. We don't have to date. We don't have to pursue. I've I've seen a revelation of you and that's all I need to see. That is ridiculous to us. But that is what we do to Yahweh. We meet him at an altar called salvation and we think we have arrived at the fullness of the revelation of who he is. And it is simply a first date. Your salvation experience was simply a first encounter and it was an invitation to a lifetime of experience and revelation of the God you served. So if you stop at revelation, you'll never discover who you really are because you don't know who he really is. 
And the more you understand him, the more you'll understand yourself and who you were created to be. Identity crisis comes to individuals who are not pursuing the reflection of Yahweh in their life. Adam did not have social media to define him. He did not have a mirror to define him. He did not have a mother and a father to teach him. Adam looked in the face of his creator. And every day he made an appointment to walk and to talk with him. And Adam discovered who he was and the authority he had in his life by walking with Yahweh. And it's no different for us. And your identity will reflect the source of who you are pursuing what you are looking into. And God wants his humanity to walk in proper identity to reflect his glory. So glory's coming. Look at your neighbor and say glory's coming. A greater revelation and dimension of glory. And so we have felt this. We have prayed this. And now I'm back to the dream. And in the dream, Pastor Kevin got up. And begin to declare these words. It was Christina. I hope I don't embarrass her. I kept calling her intercessor. I usually ask permission and I just didn't. <laughs> but it was Christina. Kevin stood up and said, I declare it's a hundred days to glory. I declare it's a hundred days to glory. And when he did, there was an affirmation. Someone else stood up and said it. I stood up and said it. And out of the mouth or two of two or three, the same phrase was made. That was super important to me. Number one, God doesn't throw around numbers flippantly. God does not repeat declarations three times flippantly. That means a finality, and it means there is volume to his voice. And the last time God spoke a number attached to glory to this house, it was during the 90 days of refreshing. When we had that suddenly, when God, Kevin heard God say, watch this, and we came on a Sunday morning for a normal service, we came back on a Sunday night for an unexpected service, and 90 days later, I don't know about you, but my life was completely changed. God said, I will visit this house for 90 days. So it's not another 90 days. Don't go there. That's why I'm reading this passage. We have to quit repeating cycles of the past, trying to create and replicate things God did in the past. Why did I read 2 Samuel chapter 5? And I hope I get there. Because David was being opposed by his enemy. In verse 17, it said, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king. When they heard that David was going to try to unify Israel, when they heard that David was about to expand his kingdom, the enemy began together. And I'm here to tell you, I have felt the response of the enemy to the word of the Lord. Maybe you haven't, but the Wallace house has. And I say it and I smile because not one ounce of fear has overcome this little heart because the enemy is already defeated before he ever starts. And in the natural realm, when you see the enemy start encircling you, which is what happened to David, he has this wonderful word from the Lord and the Philistines or the enemy hears about it and he starts to gather in the valley of Rephaim to do something about it. And I'm not here to give glory to the enemy today. I'm talking about him to expose him in your life. When you see the enemy start gather, you can start responding in the natural, which is to be afraid, which is to be insecure and worried. And God forbid, it may make you turn around and back off of whatever God just spoke to you.
How many times in the presence of resistance have we dismissed what we thought God really said to do or what God really said he wanted to do in our lives and the presence of resistance made us think that must not be God. But I'm here to tell you the opposite is true. Because the Philistines are just another version of a devil that's been around for a long time. And the spirit of the Philistines is still alive today because it's the same devil, just a different garment. And the Philistines would only show up, Brother Gary, at harvest time. They would only show up when the Israel's fields were ripe. And they would come and steal their lentils, the pea patch of Shammah. It's a very familiar story because one time Shammah said he had had enough. And he stayed there and he fought all the Philistines into his sword. It literally melted into his hand. They only show up at harvest time. They only show up when you're about to take land that they are illegally occupying. That's what happened in the story of Goliath. They were fighting over land that really belonged to the children of Israel. And so Goliath showed up because the enemy always wants what belongs to you. He always wants what belongs to you. The enemy owns nothing. The enemy has been stripped powerless. He owns nothing. He is a wanderer. The name Philistines, it actually means a wanderer. And I thought about how the word in 1 Peter 5 and 8 says the enemy, your adversary, is a roaring lion. He's roaming, seeking whom he may devour. He's always lurking, always there to steal. But I'm here to tell you he owns nothing. And what belongs to you, the promises of God and the words of God over your life and over the kingdom, the enemy cannot have unless you retreat in surrender. And so when the enemy gathers around you, the natural response would be fear. But you want to know what the supernatural response is? A praise break. What, Pastor Devin? Oh, yes. After years and years of the cycles of the enemy, the Wallace house has figured out when the enemy starts gathering around the house, there must be a harvest that's about to break out. There must be a fulfillment on the horizon. There must be expansion that's in order. Because if I wasn't stepping on the enemy's territory, he wouldn't waste his time on my property. And so I came to encourage someone today who feels like the enemy has surrounded you. You don't need to be afraid and bite your fingernails and go find counseling. You need to stand up and right in the presence of your enemy, lift a shout of praise, turn your feet loose and dance and say, because you're here, it means something's on its way for me. There's a breakthrough on the horizon. You're here to steal, but you won't win. You can't have my promises. You can't have my victory. And so I just want us to just praise God for a moment that the enemy's lurking. God, I praise you. I praise you right in the presence of my enemy. I praise you for what's on the way. I thank you, God. I thank you, Father. That kind of praise is what confuses the enemy. That makes him afraid. He doesn't understand it. He can't comprehend it because the enemy is cyclical in nature. I need to help somebody here. This is just a little bit of teaching. The enemy will always come to you in repetitive cycles. He is not a creator. He is only an imitator. 
Satan himself was created to be a reflector, not a generator of glory. He is an imitator. He is a reflector. He can only repeat, 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 repeat. Now, he may add a little twist or put some makeup on it or use a new individual, but his tactics are the same. And if you find yourself in cycles of attacks from the enemy, it would be wise of you to study his history because it only arms you for your future. Because you're going to recognize same assignment, different person. Same assignment, different season. Different bait. But it's the same strategy. And so we see in 2 Samuel chapter 5. The enemy gathers against David in the valley of Rephaim. A few verses later, what's it say? The enemy gathers against David in the valley of Rephaim. He keeps coming in a cycle. And if David operated in a carnal realm, he would respond in a cycle. And then he would find himself in a cycle of defeat. I'm helping somebody today. Somebody that feels stuck in a cycle of defeat. It's not because your enemy is operating in a cycle. He's going to always do that. Your defeat is because you are stuck in a cycle. And as long as you keep responding the same way to the same attack of the enemy, you're going to be stuck with the same results and you find yourself captured in a cycle of defeat. And if David had responded the same way in the same cycle, then a few chapters later, we would not see the ark returning to Jerusalem. Because it was these very battles at the Belperazim breakthroughs that led to the glory of God returning to Israel. There were breakthroughs necessary to pave the way. So David doesn't operate on a natural level. How do I operate on a natural level? When you respond in rational thinking. When you develop your strategy for dealing with your adversary based on what makes sense to you. When you lean on your own gifts and your own abilities and your own strength to fight a supernatural being from your natural ability, you will find yourself stuck in a cycle of defeat. But David did not fight in a natural realm. Perhaps he learned a very powerful story when he fought Goliath. And that is this, you cannot fight the enemy with his own weapons. David would not wear the armor of Saul so he could walk out there and look just like Goliath. He learned that his weapons must be different. They must be supernaturally anointed, supernatural in origin. His weapons did not make sense to the rational mind. In fact, the enemy laughed at him <laughs> when David came out on the field. Have you ever felt like the devil's laughing at you? I think he laughs at me all the time. But he knew he could not respond to Goliath with the same weapons, and neither can you. You do not wrestle, wrestle flesh and blood. Your enemy is not the flesh in front of you. It's the spirit behind the flesh in front of you. And if you always fight your battles out of the flesh, you will never, re re you will never reap a supernatural victory. You must fight on another dimension. You must fight from another level. And that's what we see David doing. 
David, the victorious one that slayed Goliath and, and, and slayed thousands. David had slain his ten thousands, actually. Saul slayed his thousands. David, his ten thousands. Here he is, a mighty victor over the Philistines. And instead of assuming that because he had had past victories, he would have a current victory, David never stopped depending on the Lord. Instead of looking at his track record and said, well, I did it good then. God, I did it that way then. I've been victorious this many years. I've overcome this struggle. This is my testimony. I praise God for your testimony. But David did not lean on his title in order to defeat the Philistines. He did not lean on his track record. He went before the Lord like it was his first battle and said, God, are you going to deliver them into my hands today? This is a good rule of leadership, whether you're a pastor in here or you're a parent leading your home. Humility in leadership. Learning that God alone holds your victories and that every battle should be approached with humility like it's your first. Every endeavor should be approached with humility like it's your first. And despite the victories of David, he looked at God and said, are you going to do this this time? Because I'm not moving unless you say move. And God said, yes, go, go get them, go get them, David. I've got you. You're going to defeat them today. And David goes out and wins a victory. And then they gather again. And David could have assumed, because it was the same enemy in the same place, that God had the same strategy. Right? That's rational thinking. Same enemy, same place. Just do what you did last time. God actually said do it. Why don't you just do it again? And this is what we do in church world. And this is what we do as we are expanding in the kingdom. We want someone to give us a pattern so we can repeat it and hope that we achieve the same result as the person who created the pattern. And I'm here to tell you, one of God's names is not pattern. And one of God's names is not predictable. God will never be locked into the box of your pattern or your, predict your predictability. And what worked for someone else may not work for this house. And how somebody else got the victory may not work as we move into expansion in the kingdom. We want a pattern. But God wants us to have a prayer life. God said, nope, number one, I will not be predictable because you have to depend on me. And number two, your predictability is a liability to the enemy. If you keep living such a predictable life in the spirit, all you do is give the enemy time to create every assignment he can create to match your predictability. It's why God's strategies are always unpredictable. They're always ridiculous. They're always crazy. Kevin's even demonstrated when Jesus healed the blind man, he did it like four different times because he just didn't want the disciples thinking they could lock into a pattern they could write a book about. He spit one time, spoke one time. I am meddling today. It's just coming out. God is the God of surprises. He wants to surprise his people. And even bigger, he wants to surprise your enemy. Sometimes his suddenlies and his unpredictability is about sabotaging what the enemy thought you were going to do, how he thought you were going to respond. And perhaps your victory. 
victory is based on your ability to break out of your own predictability. Maybe your breakthrough in this season is based on your ability to step out of what is usual for you, to step out of what is comfortable for you, to step out from what you have always done and step into dependence on God that says, I know, Father, you told me to do it like this last week, but what do you want me to do today? And it's a good thing David asked. Because if David had not asked, he would have led the entire children of Israel into a very ugly defeat. As leaders in the kingdom, as leaders of our homes, mom and dad, how many defeats have we led our families to? Because we did not bow in our knees in prayer before we acted, before we moved, before we obeyed. It's one thing to know the word of the Lord, and David knew he would defeat the Philistines. It was another thing to pray into the strategy of how. And as leaders of our homes, we must pray and bow our knees to Yahweh, knowing that when we operate in pride or assumption, there are people following us who will follow us to a slaughter of defeat because we did not steward our leadership properly. We've got to pray. And I'm going to tell you something in 2022. You think this church prays now. You haven't seen anything yet. Some of you are like, oh, praise God. Some of you are like, oh, dear Lord. How many times will we not get to eat? I'm not sure. But we are going to pray because we are entering a zone of glory that the enemy is lurking, the enemy is surrounding, and the enemy is already defeated. But it is our responsibility to pray and seek the Lord. And I don't care how victorious this house has been in the past, we are starting all over again with humility saying, Lord, how do you want to do it this time? Where do you want us to go this time? What would you do through this place this time? And so, a hundred days to glory. David seeks the Lord and says, what do you want me to do this time? And it's completely opposite of what he did last time. He said, don't go out before them. Go behind them and lay low. Don't do anything. What? You don't want me to march? You don't want me to get my sling and stone out? You don't want me to run like I did toward Goliath? No. This time, for this battle, you're going to go behind and you're going to sit still. The pauses of the Lord. Those moments where there is no further instruction given, just wait, just sit. Those times, they stretch my flesh. How about you? But I want to tell you, usually the pauses of the kingdom are followed by the suddenlies of his intervention. Usually a pause is only a setup for a suddenly. Do you hear me in the spirit today? He said, you know what? Sounds very familiar. I'm I'm being glorified. Jesus at the Great Commission, I'm going to heaven. He's telling his disciples, go into all the world, preach the gospel. But first, go to this upper room and do nothing. Don't preach yet. Don't go to the world yet. Don't fulfill anything I just spoke. Just wait. Until what? Until you hear a sound. Same instructions David was given here. Just go behind and sit and wait until you hear a sound. What sound? Not a sound from the earthly realm. 
a sound from up above. On the day of Pentecost, they were gathered, and it says a sound came from where? From heaven, like a rushing, mighty wind. A sound preceded a suddenly. They heard something coming from above them, and then they saw a manifestation of the glory of God. And it's exactly the picture that's being painted in 2 Samuel chapter 5. He says, David, fall behind and wait until you hear a sound from where God, from the tops of the trees, from above you, from a realm that man cannot touch, a sound that no human being could be responsible for. You know, there's a difference between a sound and a noise. This was a great fun study for me to do. I did it years ago. The difference between a sound and a noise because a sound has a consistent pattern of vibration. You know why? One word. It's intentional. A noise does not have to be intentional. It does not have to be consistent. And a noise is defined as unwanted or interfering sound. And I want to tell you that the natural realm is filled with noise. We are inundated with noise in the spirit. I don't know how any of us can hear the voice of God or the direction of the Lord with all of the noise going on in our culture right now. And I'm here to tell you part of having a prayer life is learning to tune out the noise and listen for the sound. Because if you follow the instruction of the noise, you will walk in fear. You will lose your peace. You will lose your hope. You will not have intentionality about your victory. If you are led by the noise, you're going to be like a boat in the ocean in a storm, just tossed to and fro by the waves. But if we at this church can train our ears to hear the sound and to wait for the sound, not follow the opinions, not follow the advice of rational thinking, but wait on the supernatural signal that can only come from heaven. I don't know how long David waited, but he heard a sound and it was in the tops of the trees because it was a sound from another dimension. And I wish I had the ability to articulate what I have been feeling in my spirit for weeks now. This is Devin unloading her personal time with the Lord. That this sound from heaven, it's in the tops of the trees. The bottom of God's realm is still a, a realm that is impossible for you to reach in the natural. Our ceiling is his floor. Just listen by the Spirit for a moment. David heard a sound at the tops of the trees. There wasn't a carnal enemy that could touch that dimension. But I want you to know the highest heights that David could reach was simply the floor of what God was doing. Why is that important? Because the word says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so are God's ways higher and his thoughts higher. And he said, you're going to hear the sound of marching. What was David hearing in the tops of the mulberry trees? He was hearing the feet of the angel armies of heaven. God said, you sit and wait 
until you hear a sound. What sound am I listening for, Yahweh? You are listening for the invading armies of heaven to go before you before you ever move from your position behind. God had designed in this battle that he would send the angel armies of heaven and actually allow David to hear their feet, the bottom of their feet, hitting the top of his world. And it was marching. Marching is intentional. Marching is strategic. And marching is militant. The angels of the Lord came with a militant assignment. And the Lord said, I'm going to send my angels before you, and they will take care of your enemy. But get this. This is so important. He said, wait, and then move quickly. Don't do anything, and then move really fast. Sit still, and then run. This is how God works. There's no in-between with him. There's no room for slothfulness, laziness, hesitation, uncertainty. God is either having you stand still while he moves, and then he's going to ask you to join his pace. God said, you wait until you hear the angels marching, and when you do, get up and move fast, because what I'm doing, I want you to join me doing. I'm going to do a thing in front of you, and I want you to catch up to me and do it right behind me. I don't want you to sit there and watch. I want you to participate in the victory. And this is what is so powerful about the suddenlies of the Lord. They always produce a spirit of acceleration. God moves quickly. He actually is faster than the speed of light. So for him to move at any pace that is attainable to us is like God moving like a turtle just so you can hang out with him a little bit. And gone are the days of hesitation and delay. I'm here to tell you God is going before his people with angelic armies in the coming year. We are about to receive assistance from the heavenly realm. I'm here to tell you the noise that has distracted the church is about to dissipate and we are about to hear the sound signaling from heaven that the Lord of heaven's armies is sending angelic intervention for his bride. We're about to see the shaking of the tops of the mulberry trees because God is going before us to fight our battle and we've got to be ready to run. Jesus, I feel this in my soul because I'm prophesying what's happening in the kingdom. I prophesy there is an angelic invasion of assistance coming to the body of Christ. There is an angelic evasion of assistance coming to your house. I thank God for the times he did it through me, but I thank God for the times he did it for me. And I'm here to tell you, he's not just going to do it through us. God himself is sending an army to go before us and lead us into the next season of kingdom expansion. So when you wait, it's all about how you wait you know, if you're like, let me pull a Kevin. That's how most of us wait on the Lord, right? And then when God starts moving and this suddenly happens, here's half the church. They're like, what just happened? What just happened? 
what just happened? I, what happened? I, I don't know what just happened at that conference or what happened last Sunday. I know I missed. I came in today. What just happened? Or you can wait like this. Anybody, anybody track stars in here? Right? You come to the starting line and you're like, pitch your head down, get ready, and you're waiting on that gun to fire and you're like, shoo. Right? How are we waiting on the word of the Lord in this house? How are we positioning ourselves for what he's about to do? I declare there's a sound from heaven and his glory is returning to the temple. In the name of Jesus. How are we positioning ourselves? And I'm here to tell you that's what this coming year is about to be for this house. We're not crossing our arms and crossing our legs and watching our watch saying, Jesus, whenever you feel like coming, I hope I'm ready. I'm here to tell you Jesus is coming quickly and his glory is coming even quicker. And it's time for us to get in a position of readiness for the sound. A hundred days to glory. Do you feel this in your spirit? Good. A hundred days to glory. God spoke to me last Sunday. I didn't know I'd be preaching. And he said, I'm about to release a season of surprises and suddenlies to my body. Oh, I've been excited. I had one of them happen this week. I prophesied that to you. A season of surprises and suddenlies. You better be ready. You better be ready. This is your warning shot. You better be ready. Get ready to receive. Get ready to receive fulfillment from the Lord. God said, I'm about to release surprises and suddenlies to my people in this season. Over your house, there's about to be some unexpected things. In fact, let me say it this way. You should expect the unexpected in this season. Christmas is a season of surprises, but God is not limited to that. He's going to outdo that. Some of you are excited about Santa Claus. I'm here to tell you, God is the one who every good and perfect gift comes from above. And he's about to pour out his surprises and his suddenlies on the body of Christ. And I'm here to tell you what we have not been able to break through on our own. God said, wait for it. There's a sound of heaven's armies that I am sending to this house. I know he's sending them to the body of Christ at large. Anybody watching from another church, receive it. I'm prophesying over this house. I declare there is a release of angelic armies coming to assist the word of the Lord over this house and every house attached. In the name of Jesus, there is a sound and a wrestling in another dimension. Our help will not come from a natural realm this year. Our help will not come from a carnal leader this year. Our help will not come from a governmental system this year. Our help will not come from a popular leader this year. I'm here to tell you God is turning the perspective of his people to another dimension. And gone are the days are begging and begging for a natural solution to supernatural issues. I declare there is supernatural intervention. 
dimension from another dimension coming to the bride of Christ. In the name of Jesus, look higher. Drown out the noise and listen for the sound. And when this sound comes, glory's coming to the house. A hundred days to glory. Why do you think God said that, Pastor Devin? Well, I have been praying and asking the same thing. And this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. I've, Pastor Kevin and I have been able to talk about this. I believe it is a call for preparation. It is a call to get in position. It's a call to get out of position of apathy and complacency and get to the starting line and prepare for what's coming. A season of acceleration. It's a call for personal purity because there is no need for anybody in this house to be disqualified from what's coming. God is crying out now and he is giving us a glimpse of a suddenly that shall hit this house. It's a call for preparation. We have a personal responsibility for preparation. Even for the return of the Lord, Revelations 19 and 7 says this, the bride has made herself ready. Some of us have got to get out of a seat of complacency and realize we are personally responsible for our part in what is happening in the earth in this hour. We have a personal responsibility for the restoration of the glory. David tried to put it on a cart and make it someone else's responsibility, and Uzzah died. But I want to tell you, when the ark was brought back to Israel, it was because David stripped himself of his priestly garments, and he participated. It's because the priest put it on their back and carried the weight. There's a personal responsibility we carry. And this is a call from the Lord to prepare ourselves, to purify yourselves. If you are over the age of 8 to 10 in this room, I hope you dressed yourself for church today. Don't raise your hand if someone else got you ready. Because you assume that responsibility. And as mature Christians, we should assume the responsibility of making sure our garments are pure. And I didn't intend to go here, but I will right now if you're under the sound of my voice and there's any doubt in your heart that you are not ready for the return of the Lord. I'm here to tell you this is not the moment to live in uncertainty. There's not one more prophecy that has to be fulfilled for Jesus Christ to return before I go to sleep tonight. There's an urgency in the spirit. The glory is returning to the house because the Lord of glory is returning to the house. And if you're listening to me today and you're listening on live stream or here and there's sin or compromise or complacency in your heart or you have gone through religious motions your entire life but you don't even know the God you have served, today is the day of salvation. And the Lord wants you to make yourself ready because glory is coming for you. And it's this house, it's personal preparation, it's leadership responsibility on Kevin and I to call all those who are connected to us to a season of preparation. And so this is how we will begin 2022. I believe as we were seeking the Lord, this is the instruction he gave. Enjoy your holidays. Have a great rest. 
Because when January 1st starts, we're getting at the starting line. We're getting our feet in the little harnesses and we're putting our head down and we're waiting for the sound. And we're going to be ready for expansion. We're going to be ready for a harvest. I pray that double the souls are one in this house next year than have been one this year. I pray double. And I don't know exactly what that preparation is going to look like. You're going to get to eat. I'm not going to make you starve for 100 days. It's going to be simple. But it's going to be 100, 100 days of intentional preparation for the glory of God in our lives. And I don't know that on the 101st day we might not walk in this sanctuary and there be a Shekinah cloud of glory. But it's bigger than a one-time occurrence. This is not about leading to a revival or a service. I believe the Lord is firing a warning shot to his bride. And he is saying, like Malachi 3 and 1, the Lord shall suddenly visit his temple. And he's giving us a moment to prepare ourselves for a glory we have never tasted before. Because he will soon return. A hundred days of glory. What will happen when this glory comes? The unity we have been striving for will flow naturally from the glory. We've prophesied it and we've prayed it, but I'm here to tell you unity in diversity is a natural reflection of the glory. How do you know? Because when Jesus was glorified, he glowed with a bright white light. When John saw him, his face glowed. And I'm here to tell you white light in itself is a perfect unity of all colors combined. I'm here to tell you we have All Nations Sunday. How many can praise God for the diversity in this house? How many can believe God for an even greater reflection of diversity as his glory falls? I'm here to tell you we're going to see our sons and our daughters return and full of the glory. This culture has targeted our children. And I'm here to tell you we will not sit by quietly anymore. What they crave is the glory. What they need is an encounter with Yahweh. They don't need your 10 steps to freedom and your theological dissertation on who Jesus is. They need a power and an anointing that can set their soul free and show them that there's something beyond this natural realm. And I declare as the glory hits this house in 2022, we shall see a harvest of sons and daughters and redemption to the nation's church who can come into agreement with me, me on that word. And then I close with this. You can stand. We're going to see the restoration of all things. That was the purpose of Jesus. And that is a result of his glory. Restoration. Restoration. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up and y'all be able to be ready to sing Yahweh. Restoration of all things. I believe we have already seen a wave of restoration in this house. But there is a tsunami of restoration coming on the wings of glory. What do you mean, Pastor Devin? Because his glory returns things to its original design. His glory restores what the enemy has stolen.
And God's people have been stolen from and lied to long enough. And I just prophesied that this house, this atmosphere will carry a heavy oil of restoration. That all who come into this house will experience a wave of restoration. And I declare that 2022 will be a year of restoration over your house. A year of restoration over your marriage, your children, your business, your finances, your health. Can I just go ahead and be Devin and be weird? 2022. Three times what number do you hear? Two. Two. What is two? Double. Somebody shout double. PQ said it today, and I thought he's prophesying, and he doesn't know it. He said, I declare a double for Christmas share. I declare a double over anything God's hands are on that you're ready to declare a double over. Oh, Pastor Devin, you're, yes, I'm going there. 2022 will be a year of double restoration in every area of your life that you are willing to submit to Yahweh. And we've got some time to prepare, but His glory is going to bring restoration. So with every hand lifted, actually don't every hand lifted, if you need restoration in any area of your life, you lift your hand. Any area of your life, I'm going to prophesy over you now. Joel chapter 2, 25 and 26. I will restore to you the years, the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter. My great army, there's the armies of heaven which I sent you. You shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you in the name of Jesus. Hands lifted. According to Jeremiah 30 and 17, I restore health to you. If you're in here and your mental or physical health has been stolen, then you need to receive. Jeremiah 30 and 17, for I will restore health to you, says the Lord, and your wounds I will heal. In the name of Jesus, I declare we have dealt with sickness and disease long enough, and health is springing forth over the body of Christ in 2022. In the name of Jesus. I declare a double portion restoration. Are you ready? Zechariah 9 and 12. If you want to receive this, just lift your hands. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare to you that I will restore to you double in the name of Jesus. For all those who have experienced great loss, keep those hands lifted. Job 42 and 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much, double of what he had before. He experienced his loss. And then Isaiah chapter 61 and 7. Instead of shame, I shall give you a double portion. Instead of dishonor, you shall rejoice in your lot. Therefore in your land, say in my land, I shall possess a double portion in the name of Jesus. Every hand lifted. Father, we agree.
your temple and our homes. Father, we welcome the angelic intervention of heaven right now in Jesus' name. Father, we will listen for the sound of heaven's armies in Jesus' name. And I declare we turn our hearts to prepare for your word. And I release double, double, double restoration in this house in Jesus' name. Now, can you just raise your hands and give him honor for his word? Can you just receive it? Yes and amen. We receive it. I'm going to let you go. I can do this in four minutes. Hands down. The word of the Lord has gone forth. And if you can receive it, the power to accomplish everything that was just declared was released with it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here right now and you know God sent you here because you need restoration in your life and the number one thing you need is a restoration of your relationship with God. You need freedom today. You need cleansing today. You know if Jesus were to return right now, you're not sure you would be ready. I'm calling out to you. The Spirit of the Lord is calling out to you. And if that's you, would you just lift your hand so I can see it very quickly in this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put them down. I got good news. You are certainly not alone this morning. There were lots of hands lifted. This is not a house of shame or condemnation. We're family. And right now, I'm just going to ask you, every person in this house, look at the person next to you and say, if you lifted your hand, I'm going with you. Nobody's coming up here alone. And I want to open this altar right now for every person who wants restoration of their relationship with God, who wants to get some things right. I want you to come now, right now. Now, body turn to one another and just say if you lifted your hand I'm coming with you and if somebody comes up here I want some prayer warriors to meet them up here meet them up here as they come I'm going to ask my leaders and pastors and altar workers come on up just come on up so you're waiting on them when they get here come on up I want all my leaders at Redemption to the Nations Church come up come up wait on them come up here and surround them Thank you, Father. I need the body of Christ to stretch their hands toward this altar. He's making all things new. He's restoring years that the enemy has stolen from these sons and daughters. He's making all things new. Anybody else? I'm waiting. Anybody else want to jump in? Come on, sir. Anybody else? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of renewal. Anybody else? Stretch your hands forward and let's pray for them right now.